0: Hi, and welcome to my CBT podcast. This is Dr. Julie Osborne, and thanks for being with me today. I want to start off with an incredible email that I received, and I uh, got permission to share with you, and it is uh, prompting me to do the podcast that I'm doing today. So let me start off. This is from Rachel. It says, hello from Ontario, Canada. I listened to your podcast on Stitcher. I've tried to find a review a couple of times, but I can't find it on their app. I've shared your podcast with pretty much all my friends, though. I want to start off by thanking you. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that your podcast saved my life. I've been barely coping with intrusive thoughts for the past 25 years. The subject of the obsessions has changed over the years, but the thoughts never actually go away. The thoughts have been so disturbing that in the past, I've given myself deadlines to stop having them and pledged that if I didn't, I would kill myself for the good of society. Not surprisingly, I've struggled with depression, anxiety, and substance abuse along the way. As I worked on each of those things, my good periods would get longer and longer, and the intrusive thoughts would give me a break, or at least I thought they did. It turns out I just got really good at pretending they weren't happening. I never saw treatment for my intrusive thoughts because I was worried about the repercussions of saying what I was obsessing about out loud. I also really didn't want to write it down, so I wasn't able to Google what has been going on, either. I've just been consuming general psychology information in hopes that someday I would figure out what was wrong with me. And then, one day, Dr. Julie Osborne did a podcast about OCD. I cried with relief, then I cried again. And then I bought Brain Lock. It was great, it was very much geared towards people who suffer from compulsions. I found a book specifically about intrusive thoughts called Overcoming Unwanted Intrusive Thoughts by. Martin Seif and Sally Winston. It is wonderful and has been very helpful, but has some gaps. For example, while making an effort to identify my intrusive thoughts as intrusive thoughts, I realize that I've gotten so good at blocking them that I anticipate them before they happen, feel the disgust and fear, then stop the thought before it happens. Part of me is always on the lookout for potential triggers so I can protect myself by blocking the intrusive thought before it happens. The book says that paying attention to the thought is what gives it its sticking power. So I don't want to stop the block and follow through with the thought, partly because that is giving it power and also because it's scary. I don't know what to do about this, but I want to move on to the next steps. I don't feel safe talking to a therapist, so I was hoping you may dedicate an episode to intrusive thoughts. I was also wondering if you could do an episode about how to navigate the reputation fallout from living with mental illness over an extended period of time. I'm ready to do the work to unstick my intrusive thoughts and I can't wait to finally move on with my life. But it's really hard to shed the stigma of mental illness. People develop an idea of who you are based on repeated negative interactions from when you're going through a tough time. I've abandoned so many friendships because of cognitive distortions, Quote, finally know what those are, thanks to you. But there are some relationships I couldn't abandon, like extended family who I see periodically. I really don't want to have to tell them my very private truth because they're not very compassionate people. Even if it meant it, they would understand why I was acting so weird. For example, being anxious, I just want to move on. Thanks again for being so wonderful. I'm 38, and I feel like I'm finally able to start living my life because of you. Forever grateful, Rachel. Whew, you can only imagine. I was crying when I read that email. I was really taken back. I just, you know, I was checking through my emails and started to read this, and I was just. Yeah. Really humbled. I know I share with you guys all the time. My intention of doing my podcast is to teach this cognitive behavioral therapy and help, you know, help you guys learn tools to help deal with your mental health issues, family issues, relationship issues. And when I get emails like that, it just reminds me to keep going. Who's ever listening. It's definitely worth it. And um, I'm just so grateful that that one podcast on uh, OCD really changed your life, and maybe even saved your life, which is just really incredible. So keep sharing, and listening, and using the tools. And I really, really appreciate. It. I appreciate you Rich. I know you wanted to rate, uh, leave a review. I don't know enough about Stitcher. I do know on Apple you can leave reviews, but you know just sharing this with other people, like I said, really, you know, can go a long way. And I know a lot of you guys do because a lot of people share with me that they're sharing it with friends and family, and then they pass it along. So that's really cool. And I want to thank Rachel too, just for giving me permission for reading that very, very personal email. And, you know, I did write her back and just share, you know, how courageous she is for reaching out and being honest. And that I understand, I understand how difficult you know, it can be to sometimes with certain mental health issues to share with other people, because you're so afraid of what other people are going to think, you know. So I wrote her back, and then she wrote me back. So I'll share reading back. She said, Hi, Dr. Osborne. I have to say, I got so excited when I saw your name in my inbox. I really admire your work. And I'm so grateful you took the time to respond to me. Thank you for reminding me that quote, it's not me, it's my OCD. I'm going to re-listen to your OCD episode. That's one thing I really appreciate your podcast. The episodes are so succinct that you can re-listen to them quickly and take away something new or be reminded of some of the basics you may have forgotten. I would be honored if you shared my email and you can use my name. Listening to your podcast, it made me feel much less alone and I would be very thrilled to be able to contribute to your community of listeners. Can't wait for your next episode. I'm going to keep working on my intrusive thoughts and trying to find someone I can open up to. I think I'll give BrainLock another listen as well. I'll let you know how I progress. So very happy to hear from you. All the best, Rachel. So I'm really happy also, Rachel, that my email sending back, I really encouraged her to create some kind of support system and that you're willing to uh, reach out and talk to somebody because you deserve that. And we all deserve that. And I want to tell those that are dealing with uh, the intrusive thoughts, which is part of OCD, that, you know, going to a professional trained person that we understand what that is, nothing bad's gonna happen, you know, we're not gonna, you know. Think that the intrusive thoughts you have, if they're possibly the violent intrusive thoughts that people have, that no one's going to lock you up because of that. We know that people don't act on their intrusive thoughts, but they're just so disturbing to have. And once you can share with someone, you know, that opens up, you know, the door to get some help. So again, really courageous. I know so many of you out there are courageous, dealing with your issues on a daily basis and always looking for more answers and solutions and doing the work. So, I admire all of you so much, so much. And what keeps me going and and just loving what I do and being able to be a part. So she had asked me in the emails to do one on the stigma of mental health and then intrusive thoughts. So today I decided, in honor of Rachel, I'm going to talk about the stigma of mental health, which is an excellent, excellent topic. It is something that many, many people still deal with, right? Because there is definitely a stigma of mental health in many different ways, which we'll talk about. And hopefully, whether you're dealing with the stigma, or you have a stigma against people with mental health, and maybe you didn't think about or other people that you can start looking at what mental health and mental illness is differently, and be able to help us shed that stigma. Because once we can get this to go away, the stigma, right, more people can get the help, and there won't be so many barriers. So I looked up on the internet, I wanted to get a definition for you guys on what is stigma. And I have a few here. So one is the false belief that mental and behavioral disorders are personally controllable. And if if individuals cannot get better on their own, they are seen to lack personal effort or blame for their condition and seen as personally responsible. Another definition of stigma is the false belief that those with mental disorders as frightening, unpredictable, and strange. Also, the false labeling of individuals with mental and behavioral illnesses as unequal or inferior, and the false judgment of individuals with mental and behavioral illnesses, which leads to discrimination, avoidance, or mistreatment. So, let's talk about what is the psychology of stigma. Society often stigmatizes mental and behavioral disorders to a greater degree than physical disorders. Stigmas structural in society can create barriers for persons with a mental or behavioral disorder. Social stigma can also cause disparities in access to basic services and needs such as renting an apartment. Individuals move between more or less stigmatized categories depending on their knowledge and disclosure of their stigmatizing condition. As a result, the more individuals open about their condition, the more they're vulnerable to be stigmatized. Stigma is also the co-occurrence of several components, including labeling, stereotyping, separation, status loss, and discrimination. And stigma is not only held among others in society, but can also be internalized by the person with the condition as well. Thus, the continued impact of social and public stigma can influence an individual to feel guilty and inadequate about his or her condition. So I have clients that, you know, stigmatize themselves. The expectations of becoming stigmatized in addition to actually being stigmatized are factors that influence psychosocial well-being. So there's lots of different factors regarding stigma and what the psychology of it is and how people look at it. And, you know, it really comes down to, you know, seeing yourself as being different, you seeing people as being different. And I think, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, not being educated about what mental health is and and what does that mean, Right. It also can lead to you know reluctance to seek help or get treatment, the lack of understanding by family, friends, co-workers, and others, as I just mentioned. There's few opportunities for work, school, or social activities, or trouble finding housing, bullying, and physical violence or harassment. For sure, we've all heard about right. Health insurance it doesn't adequately cover your mental illness treatment. You know, I share with a lot of my clients. You know, the sad thing is that there's a difference between medical insurance and behavioral health aspect of insurance. So when my clients are sending in their bills, I tell them you have to ask for the behavioral health side. So it's not equal. You know, with mental health, they might say you only get 10 visits for the year, or they don't ever say that for medical doctors, you know, you go see your medical doctor as many times as you need to. So it's horrible. There's definitely, definitely, you know, areas with mental health and insurance that are definitely, I think, stigmatized and and not helpful. And also the belief that individuals with mental health issues never succeed at certain challenges or cannot improve their situation. What a stigma. What a stigma. So many people that have major challenges with their mental health have been very, very, and are very, very successful, you know, in their fields that they choose. So how do we stop the stigma? Is first, you know, to educate yourself on mental health issues and separate the facts from the stigmas. Get educated. You know, I can tell you when I graduated with my master's, I worked at a place called Royale TRC, which is in Santa Ana, California, and it's a great hospital for people with major mental illness. So most of my clients had schizophrenia. So I didn't, you know, work in that population prior to graduation. When I had internships in my graduate school, I worked in hospitals, but it was with higher functioning patients. So I go to this hospital, and everybody is severely mentally ill. Most of the people I work with were literally picked up off the street. A lot of them had no family you know, lots of just really horrific, sad stories, and we're never in the hospital long enough to really get well. And being at Royale, you could stay there long enough to really get well, which was great. But anyways, most of my clients are schizophrenic. And I really learned that, you know, how to be around someone like that, not to have that fear. You know, I probably had some stigmas because I didn't understand. I think a lot of people, you know, think people that are schizophrenic or when you see someone talk to themselves that they're going to be violent. Statistically, 1% of them, right, which is probably less than the average person that get violent, but people cross the street, they don't know, they're uncomfortable. And I understand if you're not around it, but just getting educated, understanding that people with mental illness are not necessarily more violent than anybody else in society, but because you don't know that, you're going to act differently and you won't maybe give them an opportunity and chances. You also need to speak out against it, right, and stand up for those being discriminated against or marginalized. It's important to be more empathetic and try to understand the struggle of those experienced mental health issues. You can be an advocate for your friends, family, and coworkers, so they know they can speak to you without judgment if they're experiencing tough times or mental health issues. Do not equate people suffering with mental health issues as their mental illness. For example, instead of, he is bipolar, you know, you say, he is struggling with bipolar disorder. That's another thing I talk to my clients about. You know, don't get attached to your diagnosis. I'm a depressed person. I'm an anxious person. You know, it's that I am Julie and I struggle with depression. You know, I am Bill and I struggle with anxiety. It's not all of who you are. Okay. Somebody has a medical issue. They may say, you know, I'm, you know, Dan and I have diabetes. There's so much more to you than your mental health issue that you're struggling with. So don't get attached to your diagnosis and don't attach it to other people. Consider the comparison of physical and mental illness. Ask yourself why you empathize, sympathize, and support those with physical illnesses differently than mental illnesses. There's such a belief out there, I don't even know where it came from, that you can just overcome your mental health issues. You know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? It's like, it's, it's terrible, it's ridiculous, it's irrational that it's not a real thing. And it's sad that people have to experience it or know someone close to sometimes really understand and not see it as a weakness compared to physical, like, oh, they can't do anything because, you know, it's a physical illness. So there's people with physical illnesses that don't push themselves, right, or don't take better care of themselves, which could be something that they could do. But we don't stigmatize them as much, you know, and it's really sad that that happens. And that's why a lot of people with mental health, you know, don't want to share what they're going through, or may hold themselves back from trying to get a certain job or go after a career because they're going to assume that they can't. You know, there's so much that needs to be changed still. So you need to ask yourself if you judge others by their mental health versus you don't judge them by their physical and not to have a difference. Don't you think if somebody could just get better by doing one thing and being done and having this anxiety gone, don't you think Rachel, who sent me that email, would just, you know, if she could snap her fingers and have these intrusive thoughts gone, she would. Like, that's something she wants. Like, you know, you really need to step back if you don't have that understanding or empathy to really think about the struggle that people are going through. You also want to learn the warning signs of mental illness and help loved ones to get help when they need it. A lot of times people, you know, don't even know that they're struggling and understand what's going on and others can see it. And you want to understand what that is so you can reach out and say, come on, let's go talk to someone to get some help. And accept the commonality of mental health issues. One in five people struggle with mental illness at any given time. With figures like that, mental health isn't a rarity, but very common and a shared experience. Also, think about how you would want others to treat you if you struggle with mental health issues, right? And make an effort to make some genuine connections. People can hide their problems behind happy-looking social media posts if no one is willing to really ask about how they're doing. So a lot of this good information, I just want to give credit to a website called Rethink, where they focus on mental health issues and really are trying to change the stigma itself. I appreciate Rethink and having this information on the internet just to kind of make it more concise and to help people, you guys can go in to read over what I just talked about. Some other things like talking about being in the hospital with my clients, you know, um, at all different levels of illnesses, that I've had a lot of people say, you know, I have to go back to work. I don't know what to say. So it's important to know that your mental health issues, just like your physical, are private and you don't have to share with anybody why you were out of work. You don't have to tell anybody if you've been in a psychiatric hospital, if you're seeing a therapist, psychiatrist, if you're on medicine you know, somebody say, Hey, where have you been? Where have you been? You can just say, Oh, I just, you know, took a family leave and was helping out my family. But I recommend to my clients that are going back to work is come up with a script that you're comfortable with. So that when people ask you, it will kind of just flow. And you won't be stressed about what am I going to say? I want to get my story right. I want to tell all these different stories. This is personal, just like your physical health. And don't feel like you should have to share with others unless you really can trust them and it's a safe space. Because you don't want to create more stigma for yourself, knowing a lot of times people don't understand. And I really believe in my heart that if we can all work more to get rid of the stigma, and be honest with ourselves that if it's one in five, there is somebody you know, that is struggling with something. Some things are considered, we call them mental illness, and a lot of things are mental health. You know, how many of us are feeling anxious because of you know the pandemic. Are you going to tell everyone? Oh, don't be anxious. You know you should be able to handle it. Like it's normal to feel anxious and to get overwhelmed at times. I've also remember a client just to share a story of it was a male who came in for panic disorder and he was a big time CEO of his company and uh, very successful and you know his panic attacks brought him to his knees. And I always remember this part of the story is once he got well and was able to go back to work. He said, this is the best thing that ever happened to me because I never understood anyone that struggled with any mental health issues. And I thought they were weak and I didn't want to give them time off of work or have that empathy for them. And I, you know, thought, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and deal with it. And now I understand, and I'm going to be a much better CEO. And I said, well, there was the silver lining, right? That sometimes people have to go through Certain things to really understand that it's real. It is a real thing what people go through, and it can be debilitating. But people can get well. And the more help and acceptance we can show people that are struggling, the better they will be, which in turn helps our society. You know, the healthier all of us are is good for all of us. It's collective, it's not individual, it's collective. It helps all of us. So it's really important to just take a minute for yourself and think about that. So going back to Rachel's question, you know, how does she come out of, you know, where she's been for 25 years and not sharing and people thinking, you know, poorly of her or what she believes they will. So, you know, that's where the CBT comes in, right, is my thought is that others will judge me, you know, because of the stigma of mental health, they won't understand. So that would be what we call a hot thought, right? A hot thought's a thought that's not 100% true. And I want to challenge that. So there is some truth in that thought. There are some people that won't understand, but there's also people that will understand. And I have to figure that out. And I might make a mistake here or there and share with someone that doesn't or doesn't keep my privacy, right? But I can definitely find people out there that will support me and keep my privacy if that's what I ask of them and be there for me And, you know, give me really great support when I need it. So the balanced thought is that although I can't share this with everyone, there's lots of people I can't share it with. And there's also professional help that I can seek out that is always private and confidential. So that would be that balanced thought we want to get to with our CBT and not to let our thought that others won't understand to keep us from getting the help we need. And, you know, again, if whether it's family members or friends, you know, Look at, you know, the evidence regarding how have they been to you? Have they ever come up to you and said, you know, honey, it seems like you're struggling. I'm always here for you. If you need anything, there's a person to go to, you know, other people that maybe not have the patience, or if you've heard them talk negatively about others that struggle, that would not be a person to go to. So, you know, use your judgment on who's, who is good to go to and what's the best person to share with. And that there's a lot of people because they also struggle you may be surprised, will be there for you more than you thought they would. So you don't have to share everything. Just start off with a little something. You know, I've been struggling with my anxiety and I'm thinking of getting help. That's all. And see the response. If the response is good and you want to open up more, go ahead. But you don't have to lay everything out in one sitting and then say, oh, I wish I didn't tell that person that, right? So, you know, use your judgment. You know, think about, you know, if you do have a therapist, that'd be a good person to talk to about building community and building more support because that's what we need. Again, our community to end the stigma and have our community go to and give us the support we need regarding what we're going through, you know, and, and your strengths are that you're willing to be vulnerable and be there for other people. And as Rachel said, one reason she was happy and honored for me to share her email is that maybe someone else listening today will be helped. And be willing to reach out, whether it's to me or someone else or someone in their family, and realize, like, you know what? I'm okay. This is something I struggle with. And I'm much more normal than I think I am because so many other people struggle with it as well. So let's be part of the change. Let's not be part of the problem. And part of the change is getting rid of the stigma of mental health, mental illness, and making it understandable and more normal so that everyone can get the help and be well. So I hope this was helpful. I hope it made you think. I hope it made you think about yourself, your views, your values, and how you see mental health. If there's people that you think maybe I need to share what I'm going through, or I need to just talk to that person because they don't understand maybe somebody else in our family, and they're not there for them in the way that they really, you know, need to be. And that. Love and support can go a long way, right? We all know that. We can all think of a time, I hope we can all think of a time, when we've had at least one person that really was there for us no matter what and accepted us and loved us and made it okay. And we can pass that on to somebody else. So it's okay if it doesn't always work out the way we plan, but we want to keep going forward and get to that place where we feel that support and can get well. So remember, make decisions based on what's best for you, not how you feel. Instead of asking yourself, why me? Ask yourself, what now? Be well, stay safe, and enjoy the holidays as well as we can. Please stay safe. The numbers are just so terrible right now. We also want to, you know, stay well and be there for each other if you are struggling with anyone that's sick and dealing with COVID. My prayers go out to you and you know, reach out and get the support that you need. You can rate, review, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts. I'm on Instagram at my CBT podcast. My email is mycbtpodcast at gmail com. You can find me at Facebook at Julie Osborne LCSW, LinkedIn Julie Osborne LCSW, and my website is mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com. dot com. So reach out again, you know, as I said, and I did with Rachel, I always respond to everyone's emails and I'm going to do the podcast that, you know, you request and find ways to reach everybody and help each other out. Whoa, pole productions.